listener production. Okay, here we go. He is ice cool in moments like this. Oh, the big fella runs back into heavy traffic. Look at him go! Footy Talk Journos edition, Michael Chamis. What have we got coming up? Going to find out how far Danny's willing to go for a story. <laughs> He's the end of the earth, Danny. Well, just the dogs in their, uh, their reconstructed roster. Yeah. yeah. It's all on the way and plenty more on Footy Talk. Yeah, welcome to the Journos edition of Footy Talk. Adam Peacock in Brisbane, Danny Widler and Michael Chamis looking at you through screens and it's the thing of beauty, you two. I can mainly hear you and it's just like oh, the wind in spring. It's beautiful sounds, beautiful sounds. How are you, Michael Chamis? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm, I'm very good, actually, yeah. I thought I'd put shorts and a shirt on today. It just feels good here in Sydney today and mm. I'm ready to rock and roll in the spring soon. And Danny Widler, he's all business in the, uh, in the chambray shirt and nice... What is that? Cash me a pull over there, Danny? I don't think I've worn a chambray shirt since the <laughs> 90s, but I might go dig one out of the What's, cupboard. What is, it? what is a chambray shirt? Oh, Chammy, they don't, they don't, yeah, anyway. You explain. Don't Last week no, you have to explain listen, the difference between a top hat and a you're fedora. Mi- you're missing a fantastic look here. He's got these, what are they, Miami, is that Miami Heat shorts? Yeah, yeah, Miami Heat yeah. basketball but shorts. But you should see the legs. Hairy Mate, as. They're hairy, but it's just the winter. Hairy as. I'll clip them in summer. You don't clip your legs. Yeah, I do. Not, not like zero, them. but just give them a, like, mate, look at me. You saw them. I look like I was wearing pants. Mate, the, the hair pro- skins underneath my shorts. The hair suits you. You, did, you didn't say that outside when you saw it. No, but it suits you. Hey, Danny. To, he's just generalising. Danny, wasn't he called a, a certain boxer when he walked I into know, the office today? You tell me, who was it? I, I, mate, I wasn't there. I was in the, Charlie? the loo. Uh, he was compared to George Cambosis when he came oh, in. So hey, a, member, a member of staff was very excited to see you. I should have taken my shirt off and then I would have said, Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, that would have been ferocious. <laughs> hey, you uh, want some hair? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look at the. <laughs> no mosquitoes have hair. Do mosquitoes have hair? <laughs> now, guys, uh, Brisbane is the epicenter of sport tonight, actually. I'm up here for uh, the Roosters. Coverage. On, on the seven network of the, the Matildas game at Suncorp, Lang Park, Brisbane Stadium, whatever FIFA call it, but it's going to be an epic occasion. Cross town at the Gabba, for some unknown reason, the NRL decided to, to schedule Brisbane and the Roosters, which would be a great game in itself. Is this smart from the NRL, guys, to, to be going headfirst up against the Matildas in the same city? Does it matter? Because it's TV audience that trumps would they, all. Would they have known the draw when they when it came out? When did the Matildas draw come out? Hang on, Chammy, you wrote this story months ago. You broke the story about venues having yeah, to be yeah. changed and all that. So when does the NRL do their draw? October last year, they started to work out their draw. Did they know the Matildas and then the were TV playing schedule on comes Thursday out a bit later. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if if the NRL knew, but if they did know. Yeah, you probably don't play it against it, but there's also an arrogance from the NRL, which I like. Is doesn't matter what shows in town, we're the biggest show going around, especially in those two markets, Sydney and Brisbane. Big enough for everyone. It's big enough for everyone, Jamie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a wise. There's been some uh, silly decisions in the past going up against the AFL. I think that the NRL every year should play round one in Melbourne because there's a free shot there. There's no AFL played at the same time. Probably round one and two sometimes. So, but tonight, Adam, mm. all eyes, well, your eyes will be on the Matildas. They will be, and Sam Kerr won't be out there. So a week ago, interesting 
case of media and how stories are chased. And I, I want to go down this path definitely yeah. because uh, I bet you two will have some fantastic stories on what are the lengths you've gone to to cover a story. But I called it as completely fair game that the Matildas kept Sam Kerr's injury in-house. Now, in rugby league, obviously we talked about it last week with like Latrell Mitchell getting on a plane and was he fit to play. Danny, you got that story out of origin. How closely guarded these days in rugby league circles can you get with things that you don't want to get out in terms of playing stocks? Who's playing on the weekend, especially for a big game? Well, look, let's take it back one step. Like there was an article by um, Dean Ritchie really hammering uh, soccer, wasn't it? Oh, he went to town. Yeah, Yeah. he called it deceitful. Yeah, which I don't... I didn't see that. It must have been deleted. Chammy, you know, you're just being smart. You know that there was a lot of reaction to it and the article was taken down for whatever reason. I don't know why. Dean Ritchie's allowed to have his opinion. I, I disagree with it. I think that it's our job as journos to try and find out those mm. bits of information. And one of my favourite all-time grand final build-ups was the Cooper Cronk one. Yeah. Where we genuinely didn't know if he was going to play with that busted Shoulder or busted. Did they know? I don't think they even knew well, at that, some point. But that was such a great story, it wasn't, wasn't it? It was a good story. It was such a great build-up. It up. was an amazing build-up. We were putting choppers up. And but this was different. We didn't even, we didn't even, well, I don't know, Adam, I'm not going to speak for the football media, but did anyone have an inkling that Sam Kerr was in trouble? No, there was a whisper going around two hours before kickoff that it was a possibility. But, I mean, it is such a controlled environment uh, with the, the football because they only have to open up training for 15 minutes. Everyone gets kicked out. It's literally a closed, a lockdown stadium. They've got uh, like, you know, perspex, or, uh, not perspex, but, you know, garden cover to, to, to line the fences mm. so you can't see in or above. You'd have to send a chopper up if you wanted to. You can maybe do it. But knowing FIFA, they've probably closed the airspace over training grounds yeah. as well. So it's impossible to tell. And they're in uh, their little bubble of the hotel. They do controlled media conferences as well. So it's, it's actually really hard to get a story. But rugby league, I guess that it frays at the edges a bit more with, with getting that yeah. information to keep that information in-house. Well, the Roosters did a great job in with the Cooper Cronk situation. Adam, I don't know if you know this or not, but regarding the Sam Kerr story, Big Sports Breakfast had a text message yeah. on the morning of that game saying mm. that, you know, how come you guys aren't talking about the Sam Kerr injury? So somebody knew and texted, and they, they, yeah, I don't and, think they and read there, that how out. Many, how many people in that squad? They A lot of those girls in the squad would have known that there was a chance that she wouldn't play. If not, they knew that she wasn't going to play. For them to mm. keep it in-house, they it shows a lot of, about the culture of that that team. And sometimes things get out because, not because there's someone in there leaking, but people tell family members, people tell agents, yeah. not thinking that it's going to get anywhere. And mm. then the next person tells the next person and eventually it gets out. I was having this conversation yesterday with someone at a club about, oh, there were concerns that things are, too many things are getting out at the club. Tigers. I'm not naming teams, mate, okay? Rawr. You mosquito. Hang um, on, I'm, hang on. Have you seen what I've got? I don't know if you can see it. Oh, hang on. How come it's I, eucalyptus spray. It's That's spray not irrigate. Oh, I can't even, how come you can't see it? I don't it know is. what you use that, to I can spray the mozzie with this. What is it? It says kills infection. It says kills chammy. Yeah. I think Danny it's, thinks you're an infection. It's, it's water. <laughs> I'll get in your that, blood that, like something. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, but, back to you, Chummy. The, the team that shall not be named. Yeah. Mate, let's call them the Sydney Mosquitoes for all we care. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and I and I had this conversation with him about reality is if it's something in-house like an injury, yeah, you can be upset when things get out. But if it's talk we're talking about player signings, it is impossible, impossible to keep every mm. player signing in-house. This is it's which is why very few get through to the end of the deal where no one knows whatsoever, which is I think what stunned a lot of people earlier in the year with the coach signing of 
Des Hasler mm, yeah. and Justin Holbrook getting sacked that nobody knew. But for players, agents, that they're shopping them to other clubs, they're telling people, they're telling journos, and especially the clubs down the bottom of the ladder. A lot of journos will spend time ringing around to find out what's going on because you're not ringing around asking Penrith Panthers, are you moving this player on? Those phone calls aren't happening. But it is a reflection, unfortunately, of more than just your club when player talk gets out. But injuries, yes, it's a reflection of your team and, and the people and in you your mentioned, organization. Yeah, you mentioned Latrell before. This is probably a direct comparison to the Sam Kerr one. Mm. He was injured in a um, final training session for the Blues, did his calf. There were media there. Uh, I think Adam Pengelly noticed it. very own, yeah. Yeah, noticed it. Um, and Latrell came off the field and was interviewed by journalists at the time and – he answered questions, but I don't think he was asked about his calf. No. And so it's a bit like the Sam Kerr one appearing before the media and not directly telling anyone. But it's I, not their responsibility to, responsibility to do that and it's not the club's responsibility or team's responsibility I'm not to saying do it. it is, yeah. yeah. And so the next day, I mean, I, I managed to find out and I, you talk about stuff getting out. I messaged Brad Fitler, I rang him, I can't remember, and um, he, because I heard about it, I said, this is happening and he said, "Who rather than confirm it, he just said, who told you that? Because <laughs> Latrell hadn't yet told his <laughs> teammates he was out. <laughs> yeah, but, and then the next game in the series, the Blues didn't allow the media to watch. They were kicked out. Yep. So, but they were mainly kicked out because there was someone else because we filmed um, Payne Haas on, uh, with his ankle injury mm. and they weren't happy about that apparently. There are coaches out there who believe filming training sessions give – an unfair or give the opposition an advantage. Do you, do you think there are teams sitting there watching six seconds of Danny Widler's clip in the background to see what the, what plays they're running? No, but I think earlier this year in the Origin, there was a giveaway about where somebody was playing on a certain <laughs> side of the field, wasn't it? In, in it was. My, I did a story. Yeah, there remember was a, that? The, uh, the Blues posted a photo of, I think, Brian Toto defending on the opposite edge that which he played or was it in the first game. Or was yeah. That, yeah, yeah, one of those guys that had – switch sides and had been posted as a photo on their Instagram and I made a couple of calls to find out. But I'm pretty sure Brad Fittler, if he knew that photo had been posted, wouldn't have been happy. But Yeah, so I, you, can get, you can get information. I remember Ricky Stewart used to just give us one second of training <laughs> and we'd be booted out of the ground. But And then he'd be, he'd be swooping the ground for any, any <laughs> yeah, poor bugger who's watching, who's watching and you, exactly. they spies. Exactly. they keep yeah. media out, but it's a public venue with a 1,000 people there sitting and watching. I've been at New South Wales <laughs> Origin training sessions where it's a public event and they've, and they've said to the media, camera's off, yeah. no, you, you need to get out. Hang on a second. There's a 1,000 people here with phones out. Well, even even like it before the Adelaide game at Origin, uh, you probably know this better than I, Adam, but apparently there's a hotel you can go into which backs onto the ground at Adelaide yeah. Oval and yeah. you can watch everything. So <laughs> we could, if we, if we wanted, no, but no. if we wanted to disrespect what the Blues were doing and asking us not to film their their final session, we could have gone there. When it, what is the what is the line? Sorry, Adam. What is the line yeah. you, you don't cross? Like, where is this a big enough story I think it's a, well, for you to break that that trust between? Well, I think I think it's when media. there's an injury. Like, I I go to a lot of these training sessions, and if we're not kicked out, I will say, boys, no shots, obviously. Yeah. But if somebody goes down, I think that's fair game. So Cooper Cronk grand final week, all bets are off. You get what you can well, get. Well, we're trying to get – I think – well, I'm, I think David Riccio told the story about how he was up in a chopper yeah. over the training session and he, I think he was convinced he was going to play. Oh, no, so he's out. Yeah. I think he was convinced he was out. Yeah, because he didn't train. Because he, he didn't train. train. Week, so yeah. you don't always get the correct idea of, you know, what's exactly going on. But part of our job is to, you know, we've got to stake out things and – 
I mean, I've been on stakeouts that last nine or 10 hours, you know, where you're just sitting there getting nothing. Like what? I, okay, I remember I'm going way back and I remember the Melbourne salary cap situation where I, I think I sat in a car park to bounce Ian Schubert for nine hours. Ian Schubert was a salary cap auditor, never gave an interview. We got him just before news time uh, and we got we got, didn't get much out of him, but it was the first time he yeah. talked about anything to do with the Melbourne storm. Something. And, and I remember, yeah. um, again, the, the storm, I was out the back of a out of, the NRL used to be at Moore Park and it used to have a front entrance and a back entrance and we had a camera at the front, camera at the back. I was out the back. It was a day when all the stuff was going down with the storm when they were confessing, I think. And I remember being out the back and copping an elbow in the ribs from one of their execs as we Who were was trying, that? trying to bounce. I'm not going to name him. Trying I was, to bounce. I just want his autograph. <laughs> trying to bounce the guy. I've been, I've been. I've had it when I've. Yeah. Have you been hit on the job? Well, that, not that was punch, but like no. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've had a. I've had a. A coach who I'd written was about to get sacked. Name him. Drop drop a shoulder into me. Oh really? As I was. Uh, walking up the stairs um, at the ground. Did he get sacked? Name names. He did get Pop sacked. sings. Give me a club. Give me an area. I'm not going to. I don't want to. Give me something. I don't want to name names. Okay. That, that's, isn't that considered assault of some description? I don't not know. Not if you don't complain. Well, it depends if you. If what if you you know, no, I didn't complain. Oh, so, you um, like it? That's was, the difference. But, Jamie, have you ever gone to ridiculous lengths to, um, to get a story? Well, I haven't had a lot of time in television, but you know, my mentor over here, Sir Mosquito, he, he, last year they- <laughs> Sir Mosquito? I went, I went out and got uh, an inkling that Michael Maguire might Come have been- Come on, you knew. I had an inkling that Michael Maguire might be sacked that day. And I rang Danny and I said, well, in print world, we don't really care about the vision. Well, we do. We mm. get photos, but it's not like a not like a TV package you need to put together. So this was completely foreign territory to me and they sent me out. I couldn't be seen and because- I don't think, well, Madge didn't know at the time. And so if I had just lobbed up the training with a camera in the middle of this drought they were going through at the time, I think it would have raised alarm bells. And so I had to park across the road from the Centre of Excellence. Yeah. It was their temporary facility at the time. I was like hiding because like, like, players were walking past. and I, It was all foreign to me. I was like, this, this is, I just felt like a creep. <laughs> I could understand why Danny loves it so much. So I, I went and hid there for about- Because I'm a creep. Yeah, you like to go, do, do your stakeout thing, you know. That's not my go. But we did it. Get used to it, Chammy. Oh, yeah. It wasn't pleasant. The shots of Lee Hadjipentelis walking in to the meeting. We had Tim Sheens out in the car taking phone calls in his car because I don't think he wanted Madge to hear his phone calls. And oh, then eventually man. we got vision of Madge walking to his car with his boxes packed, taking all his stuff to the car and him There's driving the shot. Rissold. And I, even like even this week, I happened to be at South's training venue at Maroubra. I kind of knew Liam Knight was on the way out. Not as big a story as obviously Madge being on the way out, but you don't often see a player walking out of his club with a suitcase behind him, dragging it along. And he was mm. he, his bags were gone. And then I was fortunate enough to get to Belmore and be invited into inside their inner sanctum and coincidence see Liam there with Gus Gould and got the shot of that as well and had a chat <laughs> to him. So. Wasn't there an incident a few years back when Mitchell Pierce was in all bit of trouble? I don't know if it was the the, the dog incident, but someone walked into his property or walked into the car park of the apartment, and Mitchell Pierce got upset. A journo had overstepped the mark, so got to. That's overstepping it. Going yeah. into yeah, you don't, you don't go property. To that. I remember Todd Greenberg was furious that there was a photo of him on the front page of the Daily Telegraph the day he got sacked. Remember that photo of him drinking? I think he was drinking a bottle uh, of beer in in his in his kitchen or something, and that mm. photo was. 
Yeah, that's all. Plastered on the front that, page of the television. In private property. I remember uh, it's a little kind of off topic, but it's back to football again, being at the World Cup last year. Remember that story where they, they last minute, they said no alcohol is going to be so- served mm. on site? So this is days into the trip there and you, all the things you hear about going to a place like Qatar, it's like, okay, you you got to play it pretty cool. You, you don't step out of line too sharply. You don't know who's watching. You don't know what might happen if whoever's watching doesn't like it very much. But I just thought it was such a hot story that was going around the world. So I actually, over the back of the Socceroos training centre was one of the main stadiums. So I got over the back of the main stadium and, and looked through the fence and like ripped a hole in one of the linings that kind of blocked the view <laughs> of inside the stadium as they were reconfiguring the signage for the, all the bars out the back for Budweiser and taking the signs down and everything like that. So it was like, quickly get a quick snap, quick photo, put that in the story and keep walking like nothing happened in the middle of the day when no one else is around. It's it's a bit freaky when something like that happens when you don't know if you, your personal safety is totally assured. The Sam Kerr situation, I was really interested um, at their media conference, I think it was yesterday. The media people instructed the journos, they're only allowing two questions about Sam Kerr. I mean, does that happen? Do you cop that? I, I don't think we really. I, I don't think you can. I, I think that's ambitious media management, put it that way. Mm. No. If there was a follow-up to a follow if the, the coach says something on one of the two questions that there is a genuine follow-up, I can't see how that – no, that, that would be ignored. Media managers no. set in the rules on what the media can ask. No, 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 no. That's a big no-no. <laughs> that's a red rag to a – There's a couple in the NRL. Who, Ten questions yeah. if they only said maximum of two. Yeah, I would have. Yeah. I mean – then Out that's, of principle. That's our job is to ask questions, right? Yeah. And I think that to be instructed, it is a big story, the Sam Kerr story. It's the biggest. Why, why can't you ask questions about it? Yeah. What's yeah. the harm? Well, I remember last week at the pre-match press conference because you get a sit down with the coach, half-hour press conference, day before a World Cup game, Tony Gustafsson. I asked him, knowing that he never gives his 11 away the day before. Some some coaches do. He never, never says it. But I asked it anyway. I said, Tony, not expecting you to say your 11, but have you got inside your head who your 11 is? And please, if you feel like telling us your 11, go for it. And Sam Kerr was actually sitting next to him and he had a little chuckle. And you look back on it now, knowing what mm. you know now, and you think, there was a couple of body language giveaways there. There's there more than that. All was not well. Adam, at, we we were following Sam Kerr around. I think it was on either the day before the game or game day. Mm. I can't remember now. And she was in double bay with the other players. Mm. And there was clear images, clear vision of her walking around with her calf heavily bandaged. Like, mm. yeah. <laughs> they, they weren't hiding it. Are that you having much. a crack at the football media for not doing their job? Not at properly. all. I'm just saying it was there. Like, yeah. It was just a story that came out of nowhere. That's the thing. Mm. Like, it, you, you can't. Well, clearly look, not. You don't she know was where strapped to look with if a honest. calf strapped at Double Bay, Adam. But they all walk around in compression bandages in yeah, between training sessions. Yeah, that's like a compression. So, yeah. Yeah, no, no. yeah you, you don't know. Like, some players play in compression yeah, bands. Yeah, that's but right. Anyway, anyway, hey, uh, here's something to really get you excited, Chammy. Don't you RLPA dare. RLPA latest. Don't What's the oh. latest, mate? Don't you dare. <laughs> Seriously, are they going to cover the badge? Oh, they're covering the badge. I'm worried. Yeah, the they're spooked. doing it. Yeah, they're doing it. Um, doing it? And look, so embarrassing. I, I think it's – so we've seen the people they've sort of inverted commas targeted so far, the broadcasters who pay their wage. Yeah. And now the badge is being covered where I think Telstra, Telstra yeah. who pay put $20 million a year into rugby league. I don't know what it's necessarily achieving. I don't know. I mean, is it achieving anything? Hey, guys, d- don't they on the – on the field, don't they have the, the NRL logo on the field? I think so. As well? Yeah. So what they should do, they should get 
some graffiti artists to go out the night before the game and just do that over the NRL logo, like we used to do in year eight maths when we were really, really bored. No, but seriously, like, are they going to try and damage that in some way, shape, or form, or mark it up, or I don't know. What lengths are they going to go? You know what's laughable? And and this is insignificant in all of this. And I, one of the requests, and this is not the one one of the most important requests, but one of the things they're arguing about is the RLPA want corporate hospitality, VIP hospitality for the CEO and the chairman for all major NRL events. Like seriously, like that's one of the things that you're actually fighting for? That sounds mm. like they're looking after themselves rather than the players. Well, that's the whole argument here. Is, are they just trying to… I'm sure they can get a ticket. Yeah, well… A normal ticket. <laughs> and for the, NR, for the Origin game, they had to go to the New South Wales Rugby League box. They weren't in the NRL box, I can tell you that much. But yeah. it's just laughable, some of the things… Well, that's that, ladder climbing, isn't it? People wanting to climb ladders and be seen and… Like, what's the point? I don't know. What's the point of that? Oh, That's look, a quick take when you got to give, I think. Yeah. Or give when yeah, you've got you to take. Have that take that back. out. Yeah, and but then isn't that a given that if one. you're the RLPA, look, why do you have to get in writing? If you have a good relationship with the NRL, which they're not going to have, then surely that's a given. You, you, you'll be invited to these events like all major stakeholders in the game. Jamie, hey, did, Danny, has PVL come back from his holidays and he's going to eventually going to be like Stone Cold Steve Austin on a bout that's gone too long. He comes out of nowhere, the music crashes and bang, he gets it done. <laughs> well, What happens here? I think, he'd, I think he'd like to get it done, but I don't know if he can. I don't know if it's that, that simple. Uh, mm. I think he'd like to be locked in a room with um, somebody from the RLPA and try and cool. get it done in, for a couple of, you know, in a couple of days. I was told that the RLPA were counting on him coming back from his holiday and playing to his ego, making Volandis, which we saw at COVID and – whether he relished that or not, I'm not sure. But making him feel like he's the saviour coming in from his holiday. Look at me, I've got the job. I've got the job done. I managed to get the deal done. They're relying on playing on his ego to try and get the job done. Now, I'm sure Volandis is aware that's going to be one of their strategies. But so far, he's indicated that he's going to be that saviour because he said, "I will sideline Andrew Abdo from discussions." If you sideline Clint Newton from discussions, well, Clint Newton won't be sidelined by the sounds of it. No, nope. yeah, he's made that quite clear. So, I think they've underestimated the relationship between PVL and um, and Abdo, haven't they? It sounds like they're pretty tight, Danny. They, like they in previous tight. years, chairman pretty, and yeah. CEO haven't been on the same there's page. A, there's a good respect there. Look, did you guys know it was, I think it's the Women in League week? This yeah, week? it's Women in League round this week. Yeah. Now, what, what promotion have we seen of that? Oh, they, they, look, there's been a little bit, but I go back to the point we made last week that the, the men, the leaders of the men's game are cruel in the women's game by – enforcing and, and they will say and the majority of women and the leader of leaders of the women will say oh we, we are we are sticking together but i'm telling you now it's not the elite players in the women's game that need the support it's the ones under it it's the yeah. ones who have made their debut last week probably 50 or 60 of them that played their first not maybe that, not that much probably 20 or 30 that played their first game of rugby league in the nrlw mm. there were so many good stories like sheridan gallagher last week playing the young but she was the young matilda's captain only a year ago, took the team to the World Cup in Costa Rica. She was playing for Newcastle. Like, mm. what a great story. I would love to have heard from mm. her after the game. Nothing, nothing. And she was making her debut for the Knights. It's, there, there's so many situations. And look, I've had my run-ins with the RLPA before and I sound like a sook, but my dealings with them. You sound yeah. like a sook. Uh, Never heard that before. Don't get me started. We're going to a break. Back in a sec when they make up. Melbourne Storm 25th year anniversary celebrations this weekend, guys. And Danny, you've been there for, I reckon, the whole 25. It's a fair effort from a club that was an afterthought when the Super League War came back together again and everyone got over things and it was like, okay, 
will get this going and they got a, a stack of players from all around the place and the premiership in 99 was great. And then they had a bit of a lull and then a bloke called Craig Bellamy gets there and it all, all changes. But from top to bottom, that club, apart from obvious, the obvious salary cap bust up, runs pretty well in the modern day, does it not? Incredible club. Now, you've got a broader perspective than I would, Adam, in terms of, you know, sporting clubs around Australia because you, I think you, you follow all sports really closely. Mm. Are they, for the last 25 years, can they claim to be the greatest sporting club in the country? Look, the, the salary cap in the Waldron years are, are big black big eye. Black eye. Yep. And it's it's clear, the black eye, but, you know, you've, you've still got the image in your head of, mm-hmm. of what happened then. But, I mean, the modern day, look, look at the last 10 years in isolation and the, the success that they've had and the rebuild off the back of that mm. trauma that they had with Bellamy, Frank Panisi. I don't know if there's a better football manager going around no. in any kind of sport. Media management, they're really good. They're savvy with how much they put out down in Melbourne. And, yeah, they get the irrits with how their game style is reported up in Sydney, but that's them protecting their own brand. And they got a guy at the top there in Matt Tripp. They've had others there that are really, really savvy people. They're a stable club. Yeah, I, they're I up there, they're right they? up the top of the tree. They're right, right up top of the tree. If it's not them, who is it then? Well, I mean, it'd be some AFL team who... Richmond run a really good race when what they were about five, six years ago. Uh, Collingwood have got things going well Mm. on and off the park. That that comes and goes though with how the AFL structured with their draft picks and everything. But yeah, I I think Melbourne Storm, in terms of how they're run, they're the benchmark in rugby league, are they not? In terms of things getting out, things going in, what the footballers are and how they perform. We look at the Storm success and it's been incredible. Particularly, what makes it even better is they're doing it in a city. Look, let's be frank, they don't, Melbourne doesn't care too much for rugby league, does it? No. I mean, it doesn't figure highly on their their minds, I think, in terms of sport. Like AFL's king uh, and rugby mm. league is, a, is perhaps a, a nice other thing to look at. And that's what, there was, <laughs> well, it's, it's not, it's not, is it more than that? I just like how you described it, a nice oh. other thing to yeah, look at. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not their, their priority. And that's what makes the Storm even more impressive is that they've created this club in a foreign environment, and they just keep on winning. Yeah. There have been so many years where we've thought, they're, they're okay, they're gone, mm-hmm. they're going to fall off the face, we're not going to hear from the storm this year. But they, they their standards and their coach and their discipline and their ability to turn, Craig Bellamy's ability to turn less than fantastic players into very good quality first graders is just, I think that's that's the, the strong point of yeah. their club, the, their culture. The to thing that. that that oppresses me is the fact that if you look at the players they have bought over the years, they have never, ever brought a superstar to the club. Inglis? Mm. Was he? No. Well, he, he was a kid. Yeah. They kid. developed. Oh, him. they developed. No, no, yeah. no. They, they developed Develop, superstars. Yeah. But tell me who mm. they have brought to the club and paid big dollars for. Very. If, mm. if you can think of anyone, let no, me know. No, it's, it's a good and point. And everyone that Off leaves is a better player than when they came. And that Brian to me. Norrie. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Sam Cassiano. No, but paid, the whole no. club. I reckon that's a that is a chapter in the book of Melbourne Storm. A player like Brian Norrie getting to the club and then leaving the club, what he was, yeah, and that was commanding a much higher dollar than he, he probably could have ever imagined. It's the, I call it the Brian Norrie syndrome down there that they're able to do this with player after player after player. It's incredible. And the one time I remember listening to an interview with Frank Panisi, the one time that they didn't quite get it right. Craig Bellamy went away and he went on one of those educational tours and he wasn't across the recruitment totally the way he is intrinsically for the year after, like getting to know the character before signing. And he he, he skipped over that a little bit 
and they were made to pay. It was one of their few years, might have been 13 or 14, that they, they were way off. And what, then it yeah. was a total refocus for them. I love how they send every player to make them go and work. I mean, I remember, I think it was this year we did a story where Tarek Sims was helping somebody rebuild their house. Tarek Sims has played in the NRL forever. Yeah. Yet he's there doing that hard work with a with a younger player. Might have been um, young Wishart who he was with. Yeah. And, and they're working on someone's house together just to show them this is the, the the Melbourne Storm way. It's the the work ethic. It's what the club's about. And I think that's what is really impressive about, yeah, yeah I know they've had a success on the field, but I think their off-field attitude is really good. And that and look, to be fair, I'm going to bring the Roosters into this. If, if Melbourne are one, Roosters are probably two over the last couple of decades. But to the point that I made earlier, the Roosters have gone out and bought some yeah, they bought hell of footballers when they bring him to the club. No. Yeah. And, and that's the C, difference C between Cronk. the two. Well, they bought Cronk to the club. They bought Tedesco. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, like a lot of these guys that they have brought to the club over the last 20 years are out and out stars when they come mm. to the club. And that's why Melbourne is it's far more impressive, far more impressive. I don't know if it's far more impressive. Mate, it's, it's impressive. All these guys who are now potential discussions in the immortal category, we didn't know who they were Absolutely. when they arrived at the Melbourne Storm. Right. It's a different way. So it's, it's identify, develop, watch yeah. that grow over the years. And unfortunately, you cut well, there aren't many clubs who can say they've done that. There'll be people listening to this, though. Oh, I hope there are people listening to this who um, <laughs> will say, Hi, hi Mum. <laughs> who will Come say, on. okay, you're ignoring obviously the salary cap time and you're ignoring their tackling techniques. Now, I, I know that Melbourne dispute that yeah. they were the ones who. Came up with all these funny named the tackling. salary cap guys that they paid big money for were all still developed by the club, right? No, but we're not, I'm just saying in general the whole salary cap. Oh yeah, there's there's it's some that was about, a sour taste in everyone's mouth. But that was that was a that was a dark time in the history of the game, mm. given the the way they did it. It was it was mm. so calculated. It was so blatant. Yeah, and it was good for the game. They got caught, and probably in the long run, good for Melbourne. Good for the club as well, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The, the modern day Penrith, we could be talking in ten years' time along these lines about yeah. how amazing they've done, and they talk about development and not having to buy, buy in, just mm. develop up. Mm. Penrith are on that particular track. In direct contrast to the Bulldogs guys, who look like, I mean, they're just going shopping with a blank checkbook at the moment. It seems they like they're picking well, anything off the shop. Week, you got to go to Aldi. You got to shop everywhere. Mate, they're supermarket sweep. They're just grabbing everything <laughs> off the shelf to try and get to the front and impress Ian Turpy with the full, full thing and have the biggest. Uh, I don't know if you remember that game show. It was a great show on a. I remember it. A, I don't know on a on a weekday. But seriously, Ian Thorpe. Like, is there a strategy here? Is there is there a clear strategy emerging, or is it he's off contract? Let's have a look at him. I don't think it's that that simple. I think that the dogs are trying to. They're looking at their current roster, and they're seeing that the players they have just simply aren't good enough. They've had them there for a little while now and they're going, okay, we've got to replace what we've got with something better. And I think the signings they've made at the right price, good quality. I don't think they're paying overs for anyone. I think that, for instance, um, they're going to get Blake Taff, right, mm. and Jamin Salmon. Yep. I think those two players would have almost cost them as much as keeping, say, Jake Avarillo. Avrilo had a big offer to leave, uh, and I think those two players aren't on huge money when they're coming to the Dogs. Liam Knight, he's gone there for not much at all. He's gone there for opportunity uh, and another year of contract, and I think Siwa might cost him a bit more, Takiyaho. Cost him about 500 yeah. yeah, I don't know whether that's a 
necessarily the same, falls into the same category as a quality price buy. Mm. Connor Watson, I think he's got a a medical tonight to see whether he'll be okay to join the Bulldogs because I think they're interested in him as well. Again, he won't cost a big dollar. So I don't know if it's really money ball or anything like that, but I just think they're trying to get, in their eyes, players who are better right now than what they have on in their current stock. I think there's also, there's an element within the club who believe that, and I don't want to be disrespectful to guys in there, but there's a level of toxicity there, a culture of uh, underachievement. And when, when that happens, you get people in there who whinge and who don't like challenge. And there's don't. been a lot of talk about this week about players and whether or not they can keep up with the intensity of training. Now, I'm not going to question the methods of Cameron Seraldo, the head coach, or Travis Tumu who comes from the Roosters. He's the head of performance there. But if you look at the signings they are about to make or have made, there's one key denominator, and they all come from clubs who have had success in the last five years. So we're talking Roosters, So South, Kyle Watson from Penrith, the Roosters, Takiyaho yeah. from the Roosters. Yeah, that's a good point. Blake Taft from South, Liam yeah. Knight from South, Jamin yeah. Salmon from Penrith, Stephen Crichton from Penrith. Penrith, South, Roosters, they've bought those players. They want guys who, who as Adam said, it, they may not be the best signings. But what they're going to do is the best, remove the, the poison. I didn't say that. Remove the poison. He's putting yes, words I'm, in your mouth. This is this not is the first time it's happened. I did not say that. Say he just, like he that. just makes just things up. I said they just picking anything off the shelf. I didn't say that they were well, good or bad. Yeah, well, that's He just makes things up, Adam. Don't be offended. You're suggesting they're buying home brand items. So you get guys <laughs> from that. <laughs> Shopping at Nick Scarly for all I know. I don't know. <laughs> for, anyway, three guys, three clubs, sorry, and clubs that have had success. That, that's what they want. And to get things to grow at the club, there's a view you've got to remove the poison. and Jeez, that's strong. Well, That is strong. Toxicity and poison in the same yeah, sense. Yeah, you like well, that? Um, you Danny, just break. one last one on the dogs. Do you get the feeling, though, given Gus had a big part to play, like some say it was all him, some say it was others out there at Penrith, but the point is that he had a part to play in Penrith uh, rejuvenating their pathway system. Are the dogs doing this right now to merely tread water for that to start to bear fruit? Are they doing that behind the scenes at the dogs, setting up that pathway system so they can do a Penrith? I've got no doubt they're doing that. There's no doubt that they they need to have some pressure taken off that club by getting better results. I don't think they're necessarily going to catapult up the table with the signings they're making, but I do think they're positive signings. And, yes, in the background, and, Chami, you'd know a bit about it'll, this. It'll never be Penrith. No, it won't the demographics be Penrith, don't but, allow them to be Penrith. But they have yeah. been going quite well, I think, in their their younger teams. Yeah, they, they are. They are doing well. And I think what they're building there in the pathway system is going to be good and it's going to help the club. But you're not going to be Penrith. Like Penrith have the biggest junior league and a demographic of, of a population that allows – like the amount the, – the percentage of Pacific Islander players in the NRL is near – what now, 40%? I it's 48. 48%. Mm, I think more. that might be Indigenous mm. players as well yeah, right. in combination. Like – and that reflects similarly to what the demographic is in the players coming through the Penrith junior system. Mm-hmm. It's a high-density rugby league area. It is. As opposed to other areas. And I areas. see it. And I've got, I've got kids in the junior league who play there. Yeah. And even at eight years old, you can see the difference in some of these kids mm. in the skill. Really? The, oh, really? If I showed you some of these videos. Wow. Like I, I was, yeah, it, the skill, the, the speed, the size, this whole concept of wait for age needs to be introduced because there are a lot of kids, mm. and my son will probably be included, who are dropping out of the game because – they aren't physically mm. able to handle Interesting. at the same age as some of the other kids out there. And I think I think Nathan Cleary has spoken about it in the past when he grew up in New Zealand, they played weight for age out there. And he said it was, yeah. a, it was a great concept because you just don't want to lose yeah. skillful players who have that ability to kick on because they're not big enough at a young age and they 
developed too late. They are definitely, I mean, they're being mocked elsewhere for their strategy, the Bulldogs. Yeah, absolutely. But they are doing both. They're building from within. But right now, they probably need a fix because they're a club that's under the microscope for a lot of reasons and they need success. And they've had so many years of being towards the bottom of the table, they need to build up again. They need to satisfy their fan base, but they've probably got to do it in a sensible way and make smaller steps rather than try and leap. Yeah. Oh, look, I, to defend your mate for a bit, like I think Gus... Well, you got to say his name. Gus, I think he's done a, a terrific, do, do, how, terrific how job How often do you think of him, Jamie? How often do you think of him? <laughs> We're talking about the Bulldogs. And how you're, often you're you giving the Gus? Bulldogs a rap without saying his name. I know what you're talking about. I know we don't see eye to eye on things, but he has... He's in your head. ...done a one... You're in my head. He's in your head. You're in my head. You know why? <laughs> He's in your head, Chammy. Well, he, he yeah, went to get Oh, he's just sitting around Chammy, now. So deep, deep, podcast. deep breath. Deep breath, Chammy. Deep breath. Well, he said that. Oh, here we go. I'm not going to go there. Okay, you're done? Okay, don't worry about with it. what I have written in the past. You made me angry. I was about to give the guy a rap. But uh, boo. Okay. We nearly got there. Mouthpiece over here. He got upset with me. We're done, gents, because the Matildas are about to go on a team walk and I'm going to see if anyone's got any bandages around their calves. Don't miss another scoop, mate. Chabby, see you next week. <laughs> and Danny, see you next week as well. Thanks for listening. That was Footy Talk, Journos Edition. Have a great weekend, everyone. Listener.